count on one thing the same god that never failed will not fail me now he won't fail me now in the waiting the same god who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out yes i Come. 
Hallelujah. Let's not stop, brothers and sisters. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. Tell the Lord, thank you, Lord. And just think of the things that he has done for you. You might just want to say it softly under your breath. That's all right. But God knows. But think how he has delivered you. Think of the chains that he has broken from your lives. And me, it was smoking. With me, it was drinking. God has delivered all of us from something. Amen. And he's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You've been so good to us. Thank you, our Father. I want to take you to a Psalm of David in Psalm 37. It really ministers to our hearts beautifully. It starts at verse 3. Somebody's excited. That's the way we should be about the Word of God. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. So you will dwell in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your vindication as the light and your right as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Threat not yourself over him who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Threat not yourself. It tends only to evil, for the wicked shall be cut off eventually. But those who wait for the Lord shall possess the land. Thank you. That's a good word. That's a good promise from God himself. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your promises, all of which are yea and amen, the Bible says. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters, and tell him what's on our hearts. Clear our mind from all the clutter of the day and just think what you need God to answer in your life as I pray for our congregation. Almighty God, our wonderful, wonderful, blessed Savior, Father God, we love you. If there's a people anywhere in this world who adore you, it is those of us who are standing here and listening online. We're here bright and early in the morning, dear God, just to tell you how much we need you. Without you, we can do nothing. For as your word says, it's in you that we move. And it's in you that we live. It is in you that we have our means. Our very life essence comes from you. Daniel says, we can't even breathe without you, dear God. Be with us, Lord. Help us in all that we do, all that we endeavor, 
in holiness and godliness as we should do all things. Help us to be successful, Lord. We need your anointing. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you'll strengthen us and encourage us. Bless us as a congregation and bless us as individuals who love our Father God and Jesus in the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Order our steps, dear God, by your word. Shower us with your loving kindness and tender mercy. We need it, Lord. It's been a harsh world lately. We need your refreshing rains of mercy and grace. Lord, we love you for that, for what only you can give us. We ask today that you bless each and every person who thought enough robbery to be here today, to lift up holy hands, hands made holy by the blood of Jesus, and to give in return honor and glory. For, Lord, you've said who honors you, you will honor in return. We ask that you bless our praise group. We ask, dear God, that you bless the pastor, Pastor Roger, when he comes forward. And, Lord, once again, just bless everybody here today, dear God. Give them something that they didn't even expect, just to let them know how pleased you are with them. I love your holy surprises. Father God, we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Hey everyone, my name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. Lent is a season that gives us all the chance to reflect on our commitment to God and how we live that out in our daily lives. It's an opportunity for self-evaluation as we approach Easter. In preparation for that time, we're preparing an Ash Wednesday service at the Bear Campus on March 2nd from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We will have our regular Hope Lunch that day and have communion and ashes available during that time. After lunch and until 1 p.m., there will be a station in the mall and you can stop in and take communion and receive ashes then. The United States has 90% of the world's youth ministry resources and only 4% of the world's youth. Ends of the Earth Cycling believes that everyone deserves the same access to the gospel. Pastor Roger and Tim Slagle will be participating in a 300-mile bike ride at the end of April that will begin in Frederick, Maryland and is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The goal of this ride is to help bring the hope of the gospel to youth around the world. To learn more about their mission, visit endcycling.com. As you continue to give generously to the ministries of CTC, we will partner with Tim and Pastor Roger on their tour. Baptism is an important step in the life of the believer, and we want to give every opportunity we can to people who want to take that step. So moving forward, at the Bear Campus, we are setting aside the third Sunday of each month as Baptism Sunday. If you would like to be baptized, please contact the church office. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there is anything you need while you are here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week.
thank you for coming today, even though it's snowing. I didn't realize it was snowing until I walked out, and now it's snowing again. And also, happy Valentine's Day to everyone, too, because that's tomorrow. And then same for everyone online. So thank you for joining us today. It's great seeing all of you. If you are new here, again, welcome. And make sure before you leave, once you leave the sanctuary and go to the left, you will see the Welcome Center, where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff. And also, you know, just get to know a lot of us in the congregation here. And then, again, for those online, if you're new, you can click the New Here button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And, oh, I almost forgot, Connect Cards. So for those of you in the congregation right now, whether you're at a seat or at your table, you will see the Connect Cards. So we would love for you to fill out your name so we know that you're here today. And also you can write a prayer request because we are always praying for you. And again, same goes for all of those online. You can click the Connect Card button at the top, or you can click the bubble that just popped up in the chat. I want to add my welcome to Rebecca's. I'm glad that you're all here this morning and can be with us today. I want to share a testimony with you. Um, I had a couple in my head. You know, we always talk about giving generously, and, and uh, the, the way we do it here is we simply ask you to give uh, as the Lord leads you to give and give generously, and out of that, we combine all of our resources together. And you know that uh, 10% of, every, of the offerings that we receive, we set aside to help people in the community. And I told you last week, I think, about uh, somebody, uh, Butch, who had passed away, didn't have any family or anybody to bury him, and we paid for his burial, and we gathered around and, and helped honor him in that way. And that was a pretty expensive uh, effort that, that we went through, but we're able to do it because of your generosity. We're so glad. But equally important are the little things that we're able to do. So a couple of weeks ago, one of our members came to me and said, I work in, the, in a nursing home. One of my residents has asked for a Bible. And he said to me, the United Methodist Church will give you a free Bible if you ask for it. This is the resident said that. And she went, Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that was a policy of the United Methodist Church, but it's not a bad policy. So she came to her church and said, this resident asked for a Bible, and he expects it to come from the United Methodist Church, because you don't have to pay for it. And uh, I said, well, let's get him a Bible. And if you're here in the room, we have all these Bibles all over the tables and the chairs, and if you open them up, it says right in there, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, take this one as a gift from us. And uh, every week, if you know somebody that needs a Bible, you may take one of these Bibles and, and give it to somebody that you know needs one. But the print on these Bibles is tiny, and they're hardcover, and uh, this gentleman needed large print. And so he says, I need a Bible from the United Methodist Church, and it needs to be large print. And so, <laughs> so she came to me and said, can we give him a Bible? So, of course, we ordered him one, $30. Not a lot of money for us because of your generosity. And it came and we had it inscribed to so-and-so from, from Christ the Cornerstone, everybody at Christ the Cornerstone. And she delivered it to him. And she said, I gave it to him. And he opened it up. And he, is, it, is it from the United Methodist Church? Because that was really important to him for some reason. And he, he looked in it and he, he was so pleased to get this Bible. And she said, you know, she gives a lot of things to the residents at, at her, uh, the nursing home. And uh, she said, you could just see his countenance change because he got this, got this Bible. So we do big things, we do little things, and we're grateful simply because you give generously and we're able to do these things. To, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, both in word and in action, 
everything we do. And I want to thank you for that. We're going to do something else uh, this morning. And uh, Rebecca's like, well, what are we going to do? I want to play a little game. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And so I want you to get out your phones. Last, last week I got out my phone and I got yelled at, oh, go get your phone, Rebecca. Then come back. And uh, so I'm not standing here all by myself. Get out your phone because we're going to play a little game and you're going to have, there's a QR code, one of those funny little codes. It's going to show up on the screen and you can play online if you want or you can play here. So get your, here's the, here's the, the code. Scan this code and it, if it works, it'll take you to a form to fill out where you can put your answers in these different things. Is it working? Did it work? Rebecca can't get. Go, go stand in okay. front of the screen for the, I've got to wait for Rebecca to get her. QR code signed up here. Is it working? Come on. Is it working? Yes. Is it all right? All right. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it's big enough online so that you can get there. So, so put in your name there. So if you win, I can send the prize to you. If you don't put your name and your phone number or an email address, I don't know how to get you. And uh, so, so fill that out. And it's a simple game. A number is going to show up on the the screen, and then there will be three options. You have to pick the option that you think best explains the significance of that number uh, around the the big game, around the Super Bowl. And so scan the code, enter your name and email or phone number, and then select your answer for each number, and then make sure you hit the submit button. And one person from each uh, worship time will... Uh, who submits the first correct answer sheet will receive a $50 Amazon e-gift card. I did that last time, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, it just had some play. All right, so a little game. But last time I gave you all the answers, not so easy this time. I'm just going to give you the questions, and, and then you, 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 uh, you'll have to fill it out yourself. All right, let's go to the first one, and this is just kind of practice, a freebie for everybody. So if you get this one wrong, eh. Whatever. So the number is 8 million. Does 8 million mean 8 million pounds of popcorn consumed? Or 8 million pounds of chicken wings consumed? Or 8 million pizzas delivered to watch parties in the U.S.? So which do you think it is? Select your answer. And, uh, and I'll give you the answer for this one. The answer is 8 million pizzas delivered to watch parties in the U.S. So I already got my pizza. I'm going to do something else today. Okay, the next question, you're on your own, right? We're just going to look at the question. 20. Is that football is used per quarter, feet between the goalposts, uprights, or the percent increase in antacid sales the next day after the Super Bowl? Make your selection. Here's the next number. I think. 12500 is that dollars per hour spent on concessions at the game, the cost of the trophy, or the average cost per second for the, a commercial? Select your answer. Next question, or next number. 2021, first time for a female referee, first time to have a pre-recorded halftime show, first time a kickoff returned for a touchdown. First time a kickoff returned for a touchdown. I'm not sure I understand that one. <laughs> but I'm not a big football fan. All right, next one. 108 inches to the bottom of the goalpost. Football supplied to each team. People allowed on each sideline. I don't know. Make your guess. Are you catching up? 
following along? All right, next number. Seven. Hours to paint the paint and prep the field for the game. Post touchdown, most touchdown scores. <laughs> I can't read the thing back there. Seconds into the game for the fastest touchdown. <laughs> Fifty. Cameras used for the television broadcast. Average total minutes of commercials. Most penalties given in a big game. Ooh, we got to go fast. One billion chicken wings consumed. People who watch worldwide or spend on big game related items. Hmm. 194 million. I think this is the last one. Approximate blades of grass on the field. People who watch online. Dollars spent on security. What do you think? All right. All right, that's just a fun little game that we got. Thanks for playing. Hit your submit, and uh, I'll, I'll send a prize to the, to the first one. Uh, first one that came in, you were pretty quick on that little. It doesn't mean I got it right. It doesn't mean you got it right, and <laughs> doesn't mean you're the first one. So the people playing online and whatever. And last night, we tried this last night, and uh, it, uh, I didn't have the right QR. I didn't have it published yet, and so, so we didn't do it. So. We got two people last night can be playing this morning, so we get. I'm going to give away two prizes today because I didn't give one away last night. So anyway, a lot of fun, and uh, have fun in your your whatever you're doing this afternoon, and uh, enjoy the people you're with, and let it be a blessing, a blessing to you. Uh, remember our uh, the connect cards and the offerings. We got baskets by each door for you to place those in. You got you can give online. And uh, we're so glad uh, to have you with us today. Let's continue to worship our Lord. I invite you to stand as we uh, sing and as we pray together. And I offer this prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for worship. And that even in worship, God, we, we can have fun. We can enjoy our presence with each other. But Lord, we know that it's all about you. And we... We come now, God, at a, at a point when we want to sing to you, but we also want to hear from you this morning, Jesus. We know that your presence is with us today, and we thank you as we focus our hearts and our minds on you and how we're experiencing you in our life and, and asking the question, Lord, what do you want me to do in response to your grace in my life? Help us hear from you this morning. We thank you. Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is our champion. We're going to watch a big game today and we're going to crown a champion, but the champion of all champions is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. We celebrate you today. so hard to see took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never
never lost. Somebody's going to win today and somebody's going to lose today. But in God, we never lose. He never loses. He may take us down roads we don't understand, but He never loses. We can be assured of that. The promises in His Word are true. His Word does not lie. He is our champion. Amen? God, we thank You today that You fight and win on our behalf. Lord, I just, I continue to have a sense in my spirit that You are leading us to songs that talk about that theme. Because, Lord, we all fight battles sometimes we don't direct our energy in the right place. So Lord, help us today and every day to look to you to fight those battles. Several months ago, you may remember, we had a missionary here who kind of grew up around here. Matt Ayers is his name. I, I haven't known him for very long. He was a missionary in Haiti and now he's in Mississippi as a Bible college president. And he said these words from this pulpit. He said, the problem with most Christians is that we're fighting the wrong battle in the wrong kingdom. We're fighting against each other. You see it on social media. People hide behind a keyboard and they say nasty things to other people because they're not face to face with them. That is not who we are fighting against. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We have a God that's never lost if we allow him to fight on our behalf. Amen. Lord, we thank you that there is none like you. There is no God like you. The question is asked in the Old Testament. I believe it's in Isaiah. Who among the gods is like you, O God? The answer is nobody. There is no one like our God.
So many other gods in this world are worshipped. Some of them sit on a shelf. Some of them are in a book. Some of them are in a grave somewhere. Some of them are just inanimate objects. But today we worship the only God who sent a son to live and to die and to rise again. And our Savior is alive today. So, Lord, strengthen us through that. I'm going to invite April to join me on the platform. In just a moment, when this prayer is done, we'll encourage those who have uh, children, uh, kids, church age, to go with Miss April. And uh, we'll pray for her and her team and our pastor as he comes. God, we thank you that before you, beside you, above you, there is no other. None like you, oh God. So today we pray that you would Help us to realize that in all of our striving to just lay that down and allow you to be our champion. We pray for April and her team today as they minister to our children. We pray your anointing and your blessing over them. We pray for Pastor Roger as he comes today. Your anointing and your blessing may it rest on him. May you open our hearts and our ears so that we might hear what you're saying today. In the name of Jesus.
beautiful singing. Thank you. Thank you, praise team. Thank you. And you're, you're uh, online. I pray that the, the presence of the Lord that we're experiencing here in the room today is communicating <laughs> through. Thank you, God, for technology and for blessing us to be able to use it. Uh, I don't think anything replaces being in the room. <laughs> but if you're, you're online... Uh, God bless you wherever you are, and we're glad that you're there. And uh, let's continue in that in that in that spirit to open our ears and our minds to listen to listen to God as we open up His Word, and we remember uh, remember this that as we look in the Book of Revelation, John is uh, writing to his people who are suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. It is precisely because they have proclaimed that Jesus is the one who is sent from God, who became human. He took on flesh. He grew up just as our children grow up. And during His lifetime, we don't know much about Jesus uh, from the time He was... We we see Him with the time He was born. We see Him about the age of twelve. And then we don't we don't hear about him again until he's he's an adult and he's 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 at a wedding, he's at a he's baptizing people and he's calling his disciples as as an adult. And we don't see those middle years, but you don't get <laughs> from an in, from infancy to adulthood in an instant. You have to suffer, you have to learn, you stub your toe many times, you trip. You make mistakes and you learn. That's how we grow. And Jesus went through everything, every stage, every phase that any one of us has gone through to grow up, to be mature. And we're still growing up. If you're living, you're still growing. <laughs> and I have to, and, and, and you've heard me tell that story, that illustration of. It's called Twins at Birth, Twins in the Womb. And, I, and I've shared that story several times of two twins thinking that as, as they're approaching their birth inside the mother's womb, they're having this conversation thinking they're going to die, their world is going to end. But it's only a transition. And when they are born, they open their eyes and what they experience is far greater than their wildest imagine. And I think when we live this life and we, we, we trust in Jesus Christ, what we will experience on the other side will exceed all of our expectations. And life continues. And we continue to grow. And John is trying to encourage the people who are experiencing great pressure, great difficulty in their life. Just because... They're bold enough to say, Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, that's the Hebrew word. Jesus is the Messiah. The Christ, that's the Greek word. Christ is not Jesus' last name. (laughs) Christ is the description of who He is. He is above all other names. Jesus, the name above all other names. Jesus, the one who saves us. Jesus, the one who heals us. Jesus, the one who forgives all our sins. Jesus, the one through whom we hope for everlasting life with our Heavenly Father. 
Jesus. And John is writing the people who are currently suffering. They have heard Jesus say, they've heard Him promise, I am coming again to you. And I will take you there where I am. And we will be together there. This is the Jesus that John is reminding the people who are suffering. Keep your faith in Him. And in every one of these letters to these churches, these seven churches in the early part of the book of Revelation, the the message is similar. Keep your faith. He died a criminal's death on the cross. And He rose again so that you and I might have everlasting life. This Jesus. Never forget Him. And so we come in this in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation to the, to the letter written to Philadelphia. Not the city in America, <laughs> but the city after which the city in America is named. And we know that the word Philadelphia means city of brotherly love. And the ancient city in, in what is modern-day Turkey... The, which is now the city of Alashahir. That's a fun name to say. Sounds like I'm sloshing around in the snow with my galoshes. Galoshes. Does anybody know what galoshes are? Some of us do. <laughs> Brother Whitney's got them, got them on. Alashahir. Galoshahir. <laughs> Walking around Alashahir in my galoshahir. Come on, Roger. Stay focused. The ancient city of Philadelphia is named in honor of the king of Pergamum. Pergamum was another city to which a letter was written. And his brother founded the city of Philadelphia and he wanted to honor the king of Pergamum and so he named the city in honor of his brother whom he honored and loved. City of brotherly love. Well, that's one story, or it goes something like that. Scholars debate a little bit as to exactly how it was named, but that's one of the uh, stories that we have. Philadelphia was located along major trade routes, as I said, in modern-day Turkey. Major trade routes. Everybody passed through there. The gold passed through there. The timber passed through there. The finest fabrics passed through there. And in A.D. 17, you know we set our calendar according to the birth of Christ in in our modern Western culture. And and the actual year of Jesus' birth is, according to our calendar, is somewhere between 4 and 6 B.C. Now, it's a little bit confusing. If our calendar is set when Jesus was born, why wasn't Jesus born at zero (laughs) or that first year? But anyway... It gets a little technical. So if Jesus was born, according to our calendar, 4 to 6 B.C., and in A.D. 17, the year of our Lord, 17, Jesus would have been 21 to 23 years old in A.D. Anybody here 23? Anybody watching 23 years old? You know anybody who's 23 years old? My daughter is 23 years old. Rebecca, who is up here, she's waving her arms like crazy. I ain't looking over there. I'm looking, I'm looking online. 
Jesus was 20, about 23 years old, A.D. 17, when something happened. And we all know that in our, even in our world today, if something happens on the other side of the world, we know about it and it impacts us. And in A.D. 17, in the city of Philadelphia, there was a tremendous earthquake that destroyed the city. And as a result of that earthquake, all the buildings came tumbling down. The great pillars that held up the temples came tumbling down. The homes of people came tumbling down. When, when a, in an earthquake, when a building comes down, what do you do? Do you stay in the building? If you can get out, you get out. You run away from that. You go to a safe place, if you can find one, if you can identify where that might be. I've never been in an earthquake like that. I don't know where I would go. Do I run out into a field shaking like this, risking the earth opening up and underneath me and swallowing me into it? Or do I get under something that's sturdy, that's already fallen down perhaps and created a little space where I can go where it's safe? But then that's going to get covered up. And how long will it take for somebody to discover and uncover me? In A.D. 17, during the lifetime of Jesus, Philadelphia experienced a devastating earthquake. So devastating, that, and it was a Roman outpost at this time, that Rome sent aid to the city of Philadelphia. We know what that's like. Hurricane Katrina sweeps into New Orleans, and the entire nation is sending aid to help people. People are flocking to it to help dig out, to help mud clean out mud. The, the government is declaring a national emergency so that certain funds can be used. And that's exactly how the Roman Empire worked also. They sent aid to the people of Philadelphia. And in gratitude for receiving that aid from Caesar, the people of Philadelphia worked and attempted to change the name of Philadelphia to New Caesar or Neo Caesarea. Out of gratitude, they just said, we, we're going to rebuild this city and we're going to name it after the one who sent aid to us, Caesar. Out of respect and gratitude. Neo-Caesarea. But years after that aid came, the, the city continued to experience tremors and they never really could rebuild in the same place where they did before because it was too risky. Jesus probably was aware of what was happening. Because Philadelphia, although Jesus was part of the Roman Empire over here in Jerusalem and Galilee and those places, and a couple hundred miles to the north and to the west was another part of the Roman Empire, I'm sure Jesus was aware of this earthquake. And He remembered it. And John, who writes this letter, is also clearly aware of this earthquake and what the people are experiencing there. And when John writes this letter to the people of Philadelphia, after Jesus had died, after Jesus had risen, maybe about 
30, 40, 50 years after that, during the lifetime of John. Some of us are that old. Rebecca's not that old yet. She can't remember 50 years ago, but several others of us can. And this is all happening within the lifetime of John. And this is a, this is a historic and a, con, a context that we need to have in our minds as we listen to and read this letter that John is writing to these people. Because if we can understand the context of, of what, how the people at that time would hear this letter, it's going to be more meaningful to us today. So I wanted to give you this background, this cultural background. There's something else happening in the city of Philadelphia that is affecting the Christian people there. And that is that there's a tremendously strong, patriarchal, uh, conservative synagogue, Jewish synagogue, that is angry with the Christians for proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And they want to get rid of these Christians who are destroying the Jewish religion. And so the Jewish people in, in Philadelphia are, are, are attacking, they're, they're persecuting the Christians. And their persecution is obvious at times and subtle at other times. And I imagine that their persecution at times is, is literally physical with beatings and whippings and trials. But also I imagine that it's subtle in a sense that it's, it's also economic and just like one of the uh, the, the, the strategies of war in those days was a siege in which you, you surround a city so that supplies cannot come and go from that city and the people of that city will eventually starve. I imagine that within the city of Philadelphia... When people go to the market, let's say, for example, and here's a Jewish person standing in line at the market with a Christian person, they're going to, oh, there's a Christian person behind me. I'm going to buy all the fruit so that that Christian behind me can't get any. And that kind of shunning, that kind of discrimination, the Christian people in Philadelphia are experiencing. They're not being persecuted just from the Jewish people there. They're also being persecuted on the other side of the culture from the Romans. And so, so the Christians who are in Philadelphia are, are suffering in part because, one, they're living in a city that is known for falling apart. Things are falling down all around them. They can't rebuild where they used to rebuild. They're trying to live and they got people here who are shunning them and persecuting them and beating them and taking them to trial, both in the Jewish courts as well as in the public Roman courts. Let's read. I think we're ready to read Revelation chapter 3. <laughs> There's a context for you. So, so let that sink in as we read this. From, from Revelation chapter 3, starting with verse 7. It says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And again, this is from the one who is holy and true. I do believe that there is such a thing as truth in this world. And I hope you believe it too. 
There is, there is many, many, you know, relativism is, a, is, a, is an idea. <laughs> and, and perspective is a reality. But every one of us has a different perspective because I cannot see your life through your eyes. And therefore, everything that I look at is through my perspective. It's through my understanding. But what we look at, all of us, still is truth. So, so we can count on that there is truth in this world that we can grab hold of. But we do need to have a sense of humility that my perspective of the truth might be slightly different because of my experiences, because of my ideologies, because of my, 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 my upbringing. A little bit different than your perspective. And I need to be humble in that and recognize that even though we're looking at the same piece of truth, I just might come away with a different, slightly different interpretation of it. But there is truth. And, 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 I, and I liken it to, to, a, to a diamond. And you look at a diamond and it's got it's what we call multifaceted. And there are different sides of that diamond. But it's still the same diamond that we're all looking at. Remember when Carolyn, when I gave Carolyn her engagement ring 30, uh, almost 32 years ago. It sparkled. My daughter got engaged last Christmas. No, a year ago last Christmas. We have a picture of her and her new fiancé at at, uh, the shopping area just outside Disney World because they were living in in Orlando at the time. I can't remember what that's called. Everybody's been there. (laughs) And they're standing in front of this display, and she's holding her hand up, her her left hand up here, because it's got her engagement ring on it, and she wants people to see that engagement ring. And as people look at that engagement ring, sometimes you see red, sometimes you see blue, sometimes you see green, you see all these different colors, because our angle gives us a different perspective, but it's still the same thing that we're describing. Now, I know that I'm getting into relativism and I don't want to go too far down that road. There is truth. And that truth is Jesus. And He has come to reveal that truth to us. He is the One who is pure, who is holy, and true. And listen listen to this other description. And this is significant for people who are living in a city that is falling down that are looking for a place to get out. (laughs) He is the one who has the key of David. He opens and no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. And Jesus says, I know all the things you do. We've heard that phrase in each one of these letters. He says, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Listen, these people are suffering. Everywhere around them, their society is closing the door on them. And Jesus comes to them and says, I have opened a way out for you. Nobody can close it. God has a way out for us. Thank you, Jesus. He says, I know that you have little strength. Here's the doorway. You see it. And you can barely, 
I don't mean to make fun of this, but it's a funny thing. Not really. I've fallen and I can't get up. (laughs) Both my parents were there. It's not a funny thing. There is a way out, though, and Jesus has it. You have little strength, yet you, you can't get, you can hardly get there. Yet, in spite of that, you have obeyed my word, and you did not deny me. And he says, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but they are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love because you have obeyed my command to what? To persevere. 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 Keep going. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world in order to test those who, do, who belong to this world. And I'm coming soon. Therefore, hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. (laughs) I'm bringing, we talked about a a crown a couple of weeks ago and what it meant. Don't let go of it. And all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. These people who are living in a city, they watch these pillars of the other gods come crashing down. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to escape it. Leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens in the city of my God. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God and I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Listen, open your ears. And understand what He is saying to the churches, to us. Let's go back to verses 7 and 8. I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. You have just a little bit of power. key of David. He is the one who has the key of David. Verse 7. What's he referring to? This is a quote from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 22. And in that, in that book, God is, is, is proclaiming deliverance to His people who have, been, who have also been scattered around. They've had to leave. They've They've experienced tremendous suffering too. And the one who holds the key of David has great power. It is an obligation to receive the key to the city. It is a weighty obligation. It is one that should not be taken lightly or flaunted. It's an obligation to what? To open the door. To allow people to come in and to go out. To flow through the city of David. Jesus is the one who 
receives the key. And in his obligation, he handles it with great care. And receiving the key is not only an obligation, but it is also a privilege. Because the one who has the key has the privilege of wielding the power of the one who gave him the key. Right? And he has to use that power. But it's also a positive thing. Because he gets to open the door. People to escape one thing (laughs) and people to come into another. And Jesus gives the key to His disciples. Me and you. Jesus, the keeper of the key, has given it to us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. Can we do that? We got that one? And this is the the occasion when Jesus had asked Peter, Who do you say I am? And Peter said, You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's power, folks. (laughs) That's power. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I give it to you. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Okay. Jesus has given to the church, me and you, His disciples, His followers, the key, uh, which is given to us, receive it with the obligation with which it is given. You have an obligation to carry it. Don't take that key and put it in your pocket and walk past people who need, to, who, who need to leave the suffering of their life as if you have no power to assist them. Don't take that key and put it on a chain around your neck and down into your shirt and walk past people who are suffering and lo- lonely and lost and looking for hope in their life. And you have the key that unlocks the doorway to Jesus Christ through whom they will receive peace, comfort, hope. Don't walk past them with that key that Jesus has given to you to unlock the door for them to come in and experience the truth of Jesus Christ. It is an obligation that Jesus has entrusted to you. But it's also a privilege for you to take that. How many of us have can think of people, oh, I wish I could help this person. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Jesus has given you the authority, as we sang a few minutes ago, to change the world. We open our mouths and miracles begin to pop up all around us. 
we sang that song last night. And there was a, there was a middle-aged man among us who had received a diagnosis of cancer. He, he was new to us. He, he came to us in, in, a, in a strange way just by hearing about us from somebody else. And he called Pastor Vaughn and he said, I need some help. And Pastor Vaughn certainly was glad to help him. And now others in our church are helping him. And he was here last night and we were singing that song and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I, I often feel that, but I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And, and I got the idea and when I get those ideas, I say, Lord, is this of you? And the idea was to lay hands on this man and ask for healing. But I didn't just want to do it with Pastor Vaughn and I over here in the corner. I said, let's gather the congregation around this man and lay hands on him and pray for healing. And so I went over to him during the song and I said, would it be okay? Would you be comfortable if I did this? And I'm so thankful he turned to me and said, oh yes. When the song was over, I asked him to come stand down here in the front with me. And, and I, I invited anybody who wanted to come and surround him and will lay hands on him. And said, if you're in your seat and you, you want to stay there, that's fine. Just raise your hand as if you're laying your hand on him. And we asked Jesus to work a miracle in his life. And let's take a moment now and ask Jesus, all of us online or right here now, to just pause and say, Lord Jesus... We take the power that you give to us. And we will use it according to your purposes. Bless this man. Heal this man. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, there are many others who need your healing today. So we lay them all before you. And we say together, thank you and amen. This next week, let's see what miracles pop out. And, and, and I'm not a Pentecostal. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not labeled a Pentecostal, but that doesn't mean that Pentecost isn't real. And that the Holy Spirit is not here and working. So I'm looking forward to hearing some miracles happen because of what we just did as the church. Thank you. Thank you online for that. Oh my gosh. We've been having church. Well, we're going to skip that. We're going to skip that. We're going to skip that. Chris, we're down to number three. <laughs> Let's look at the, the consequence of persevering. And what is this thing that, that God calls us to persevere in? It is His love. We talked last week or the week before about the, this power that He's given to us, the command that He's given to us to be holy as He is holy, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is what we are called to persevere in. And let's look at, the, at, at these verses. See if I find my in my Bible what verse it says you have a little strength. Verse nine says, "Look, I will force those 
who belong to Satan's synagogue. Remember we learned about the, the synagogue there? Those liars who say they are Jews, but they are not. They will come and bow down at your feet. And verse 10 says, Because you have obeyed my command. Look, this is what perseverance in our life is going to cause for us. Perseverance causes something. That's the, what the word because means. And so what does, it, what does it create? What does it bring into our lives? Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing. You will experience God's protection in your life by persevering in loving God and loving others. Persevere. And because you persevere, you hear Jesus say, I am coming soon. And we are restored. Think of a child. Mom and dad go away for the night. And they say to him, we'll be home soon. And the child trusts mom and dad will be back. Trust Jesus is coming again. I'm coming soon. Come soon, Lord Jesus. I'm coming soon. And the consequence of persevering so that no one will take away your crown through all of the persevering that we go through, all of the difficulties, hold on to it. Your crown will not be removed. And all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. This is an eternal home which God has for us. And finally, you know, the city, the Philadelphia that was tumbling down will never tumble again the kingdom of God. And the final consequence, I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens of my God. A new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, I will write on them my new name. It's not going to be the name of Caesar. It's going to be the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. You're part of that family that is in this. Persevere. Keep going. Don't let go of your trust in Jesus Christ. Hang on to it. What does this mean for you? What earthquakes have shaken your world? Are there people around, uh, all around? <laughs> Read my question. Are there people all, all around you who knowingly or not are trying to destroy, destroy your identity in Christ? Are there people around you who, who lure you away from your faith in Jesus Christ? They're, they're, they're doing the enemy's work with that. Are you tired? Are you weak? Are you tired of fighting to do what is right? Persevere. Or you feel like you're holding on by a thread? Hang on. It's a thread. <laughs> Open your ears. Listen. Spirit. Let Jesus hand you the key that opens the door that no one can shut. Place your life, your trust, your hope. Learn from Jesus. Ask Him to transform you by the renewing of your mind and your soul and your body. He will, he will
all these things for you. For those of us who have been doing that, have you been faithful with both the obligation and the privilege of holding the key that He gives to us? Sharing it with others. Generously opening the door. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. If not, it's time to repent and come back and commit yourself to follow Christ and live for Him. Now is the time to decide and act accordingly. Let's pray together. I invite you, if you want, to come to the platform area for prayer. If you feel the Lord speaking to you, come and somebody can come and come pray with somebody. You're not quite sure how to pray, what to pray. Let somebody speak the words for you. You can meet them at prayer stations or you can write, ask for prayer online. We hope you'll do that. If you have a miracle that you saw this last week, write it down on the Connect card and drop it in the basket on your way out or if you're online, send us an email or put it in the comments about the miracle that you saw. Give thanks to the Lord and trust yourself to Him. I invite you to stand if you're here with us today and let's sing together as we pray. Let's pray.
that power that you've given us. Remind us of that authority that you've given us. Lord, as we walk in this world but are not of this world, remind us who we belong to. God, we thank you for that promise. We're going to continue to worship here for a few minutes. There are still some folks that are available to pray with you. The front is still open. We're just going to continue to worship. When you need to go, you can go. Thank you for worshiping with us online. God, we pray your blessing over each one as we live this life with the authority that you've given us by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit.